Welcome to another episode of Before You Kill Yourself with your host, Leo Flowers. I am Leo Flowers. Today's guest is Sean Randall, who is the author of A Piece of My Mind in Words Like Wine. And he's here to talk about his new book called Letters from Lima. It's been called the Peruvian Eat, Pray, Love. It's about a hard-drinking expat struggling with divorce and depression who meets another girl from Chicago, and, uh, you know, the the path of uncertainty leads to a, a nice little blissful surprise. Welcome to the podcast, Sean Randall. Thanks for being here, brother. Hey, Leo. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I'm excited to, to have you on. I've uh, read a lot about the book, and I, I've seen you in interviews, and you live up to my idea that the author is often as fascinating, if not more fascinating, than the books that they've written. And and I found your story compelling and fascinating. And and you know, you had a corporate job, uh, you know, you were making great money, and yet you felt empty, like there, there wasn't enough, there was something missing there. Can can you talk to us about that? Yeah, well, that's that's high praise. Thank you, uh, Leo. And yeah, I you know, so I've always been um, a writer, and I would say even more than that, just a creative, artistic person. And you know, at some point, kind of through my early twenties, I, I decided to go down a path that was you know safer and more traditional, and focus on career. And um, you know, I, I gained self esteem, and I gained. Um, feelings of worthiness through, you know, job title and, and, you know, earning income and uh, material possessions and all that stuff. And um, I, I think that the, the curse that I had is I was pretty, I was good at that stuff. Right. So it wasn't like I was going down this path and, and running into obstacle after obstacle. I was, I was going down this path that wasn't necessarily my, my first choice or my heart's desire, but I was doing pretty well. And so, life was going well. And um, it, it took a while for it to catch up with me. But when it did, when I, I, I you know, I'd, I'd gone through a divorce myself, and then um, another, you know, a couple of years after that, a bad relationship, and my career started to spiral, I had turned to drugs and alcohol, um, which had been something that I'd always kind of indulged in, but had never really become a, a um, detriment to my career or my personal life or my health. And, but at, at that point, um, and this is like 2012, 2013, when, when trouble really started to begin with that, um, you know, I, I just, I, I became consumed by it and I was consumed with trying to feel better at all times. And so anything I could do to, um, you know, kind of, you know, cure this depression that I was suffering, I would try it. And so that's where, you know, substances became a, a big part of my life. And if you're, if you're struggling with depression, you know, drugs and alcohol are like throwing lighter fluid on a, a fire. And, you know, so that's kind of, that's kind of what was going on with my, my life at that point from, um, you know, 2012 through like 2016, um, was, was probably the worst of it. I would imagine you had a childhood where you moved around a lot. I know you started, I'm, I'm currently located in San Diego and I know that's where you started off and then you went yeah. to Colorado Springs and Portland and South Florida. Did the moving around a lot influence your need for safety in the traditional path? 
That that's an interesting question. I I don't know if I know the answer to that. I think that as as I was growing up and we were moving, we were moving around for my dad's job. I I think that at the time it wasn't. Um, I was always excited to move. To be honest, when we were doing it, it was like something new. It was a new adventure. Um, not everybody in the family necessarily felt that way. Particularly when we left San Diego, my uh, mother was like, this is paradise and this is home. And she never wanted to leave. But, um, I was always kind of excited for the next ad- adventure. I, I think what probably I, I picked up subconsciously was, you know, my dad was, was making decisions around career and providing for the family. My dad was a, a great provider in that way, but he was not pursuing, you know, in those decisions, I don't know that he was pursuing, um, his, what would make him personally happy. And, he, and, and I don't think that he had even a, the perspective of, yeah, I'm, I'm bringing in income for the family, but am I caring for the overall all wellness? And, you know, I, I, I hesitate to even le- level that criticism. My father came from an absolutely horrible upbringing. He moved, he moved his kids so much farther forward than, than he had the chance to when he, he was growing up. So I, but I, I think that in a roundabout way, your question is right, right? That I, I picked up some sort of sense of like, you have to do the safe thing because you never, you never really know what, what could happen. And, um, you know, certainly there was some, some impact from that. And, and, you know, my, my father, he and I don't have similar stories and he didn't, you know, struggle with drugs and alcohol, but, you know, he had, he had kind of peaked in his career and then, um, you know, his career took some steps back, um, as I got older. And so I, I know that was hard on his, um, ego and, and there's no doubt that that has, uh, an effect on children, what, what's, what parents are going through. Yeah. Earlier when you mentioned, you know, your self-esteem and worthiness, you know, linked to the, you know, the externals of status, money, material possessions, was that linked in part to, you know, I just want to make my dad proud also. Like, I just, I want him to see that, Hey, I see that you have moved so much further than what you started off with. And I, w- I want you to see that the effort that you've put in has not been, um, has not gone unnoticed or unrewarded in, in terms of how I'm now able to achieve. I think so. As my career started to spiral downward and I started to really struggle, what you're describing there was a, a, like a front of my mind emotion almost on a daily basis. Like, oh, I'm letting, I'm letting my, my parents down. I'm letting, particularly, you know, I want my dad to be proud of me. I, I don't know if that's what drove me to go down that path in the first place. I, I have to be honest and vulnerable and say it was really, I feel like it was just more selfish, um, ego driven that, um, it was important to me to feel like I was somebody, right? So my career or um, my relationships or the car I drove, all that stuff that that somebody else could look at, I felt like if I had that in place, then they would look at me and think that I was great. And so when I was young and my, you know, going through my 20s, I certainly wanted to make my parents proud, but I don't know if that was a primary driver. I, I have to say that I was probably just more selfish and ego driven of, of you know, I, I I felt like my worthiness came from the approval of others. Certainly parents were a big factor. But at that point in my young adult life, I, I was more worried about, you know, peers and, and colleagues and stuff like that. After I started to struggle and, and really started to fail in life, then that what you described there was it 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 
um, haunted me on a daily basis that I was letting my, my father down for sure. Um, and I was fortunate that, you know, I, I didn't have a ton of conversations with my dad about where I was at with drugs and alcohol and depression, but I, I had a good couple of handfuls and he was always um, very supportive and very quick to tell me that he was proud of me and that, you know, I, that there wasn't something that I needed to do to, to um, impress him uh, without saying exactly that. But Wow. You know, yeah, I love this, this idea of, you know, wanting that validation from others and seeking the approval of, of our peers. And, and yet, as you mentioned, like that wasn't enough. What was the, what was the, the missing piece or what was the antidote or how did you find peace? Yeah. So I, you know, what that boils down to is that I was willing, the, the opinions of other people were more important than my own opinion. Right. So if, if other people thought that I was, I was great, then that's, that mattered more to me than me thinking I was great. And, you know, by like 2016, I started to realize that I, I needed to work. I, you know, I'd hit rock bottom. I mean, my uh, struggling with drugs and alcohol, suicidal thoughts multiple times per day, my gas and electric got you know, turned off because I couldn't pay my bills. I had to move in with a roommate to to lower my rent and and um, just try to get uh, my feet on the ground financially. And from 2016 um, through um, the beginning part of 2018, April 13th, uh, 2018, I'll never forget. I went to go um, cat sit slash apartment sit for some friends of mine, and uh, I, I walked in. And they left a note for me saying, you know, thank you. And they listed a bunch of meals that they had, you know, pre-made for me in the refrigerator. And beside the note was a hundred bucks. And I saw the hundred dollars and I didn't want to take it. I felt bad because I'm like, this is just a favor. I, I, you know, I'm not doing this for money. But at the same time, I I had um, started a, you know, as a real estate agent. So I was starting to build that business. And I was also driving Uber full time because, you know, real estate wasn't bringing in a, a enough to keep the bills paid all the time. So I was just exhausted at that point. And I was like, man, I, this means I don't have to drive. And so I was so happy that I could just take a night off because that hundred bucks. And then immediately it just hit me. I started to cry and I was like, how, how have I gotten to a place that a hundred dollars makes this big of a difference in my life and, and my personal joy? You know, I knew it was like, something is very, very, very wrong here. And the, the kind of the one, two punch was like, okay, something's very, very wrong. And then the, the follow-up to that was I'd also been working really hard on trying to get my life right-sided at that point for a couple of years, and it just was not happening. And, you know, the next, from 2018 into 2020, um, I spent those two years working really hard on trying to get right-sided. And there was kind of a series of events that that happened um, that that led me to March of 2020, where I decided to take a vacation. Um, I, I had been sober for the first year of my life in 2019 and I wanted to reward that my career was going well. I'd made, made some pretty good money and things were right-sided at, at 2019. And I was feeling like things are, are starting to get back on track. Um, I, I knew something was missing, but it was like, you know, I'm just trying to put my life back together at that point. And so I went to Lima, Peru to celebrate that. And, um, I met somebody and fell in love at first sight in love head over heels and all that good stuff um and was really just um kind of 
you know, transformed by that whole experience of, I, I met her. And so it was like, okay, all this, all this stuff is, is paying off, right? You're, you're worthy of being loved. You've got your career. You can attract this great partner into your life. And then I was also in Lima where, you know, the history and the archaeology is incredible, where I was standing on top of this pyramid that's 1500 years old, looking out over the Pacific Ocean and out over modern buildings in downtown Lima. And it just hit me. I'm like, man, this whole thing is just crazy and big. And I have this small, tiny little life that I'm I'm so worried and so consumed about. And there's something outside of myself. There's something bigger than me that I have to find. And that's the that's how I felt as I, I stood on top of that pyramid. And I left about a week later. Um, so this is March 10th of 2020. And I was in the airport. And um, Elliot, who I'd met, who's my, my fiance now, spoiler alert, uh, the relationship worked out, gave me this leather bracelet with an infinity symbol. And I looked down at that and I said, well, you know, can that be true? And I was thinking, is this true about potentially love with this person? Is this true about the concept, right? Is there something infinite about our existence and about the nature of reality? And I didn't have any of those answers, but I, I had this feeling of positivity that for the first time in a very, very long time, I'm like, you know, things are really starting to go my way. And this is, I, I'm, I'm I just can't believe how lucky I am and how wonderful everything is. And then I got home and a week later, the you know world stopped turning on its axis because of the COVID pandemic. And my career you know, slowed down, the city of Chicago shut down and everything, you know, I couldn't go back to Peru and visit um, Elliot because the borders were closed, there was no travel. So it was like everything that I wanted to bring into my life from the outside world was right there in my grip. And then it got yanked away from me, completely out of my control. And so before that, it was like, well, your life sucks because of all this stuff you're screwing up. And in that moment, it was like, well, you're you're doing all the work. You're not screwing up. And you know what? Everything still got taken away from you. And that was the universe giving me what I needed before I got what I wanted. And so I had to take, you know, that that time during quarantining and during the pandemic and turn inward. And, and that's what I did. I said, what is the opportunity that exists right now? Because all the stuff that I want isn't available. And so I started to meditate. Um, I worked up to about three or four hours of deep meditation per day. And I really threw myself um, for the first time, really threw myself into writing and said, this is, this is who I am and what I want to do. And, and those two things kind of coming together, I just said, you know what, it doesn't matter what happens with career or how much money I have or what approval I get. This is who I am. And this is what I'm going to do. This is my, the essence of who I am is, is doing writing and being a writer and consequences be damned. That's, this is how I'm going to go forward because, you know, by having kind of that setback um, with the pandemic from a career standpoint and an income standpoint, it just made me realize, you know, everything can be be can vanish um in a second and it can be completely out of your control and so um what isn't is in our control is is inside of us and I, and that's where i found joy and i found happiness and i found peace and um it's also made me um just develop into a better um writer and a better professional and everything else that that comes along with that well i hope you found peace i mean 3 to 4 hours of meditation it would be it would suck if you were like, yeah, I meditate for three, four hours and I was still pissed. <laughs> well, I, that, that's, that's very true. Right. I think, I think there's something to that. I think if you do, if you do invest the time and, and, and commit yourself to it, it it's almost impossible not to find um, inner peace. 
but it's also not easy. I think a lot of people struggle with meditation and they're like, oh, I can't do it. And, um, you know, they, they kind of, they, they start and stop a lot and, and don't feel like they've made much progress. Um, and I, I just think that it, it, I think we meditate, we're all capable of meditation. It's just, it's just turning inward. So some people call it prayer. Some people call it, um, contemplation. Some people call it deep thinking. Um, for some it's even, you know, it's like daydreaming, right. But it's just, it's just the, the act of turning inward and, and observing our thoughts and observing our emotions and really sorting through them and saying, Hey, why, why are these things going on in my head? Are they valid? Are they not valid? And having that conversation with yourself and then determining, you know, through that, well, what's the true essence and the true nature of who I am? And, and then tapping in into that and really aligning your values with your action. That's, that's really where I think personal happiness is found. It's not that everything is perfect all the time or that you are experiencing peace at all times. Right. But it's, it's when things that kind of seem like obstacles or seem like setbacks that are challenging, you know, you meet them with a confidence that, you know what, this is who I am and this is what I'm meant to do. And if I just give my best effort and if I'm true to myself and whatever the circumstances is that at the outcome of it's going to work out, the universe is unfolding on my behalf. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not, you know, I, I don't, it's not possible to understand why everything is happening at all times. And so sometimes we feel like things are, are negatives when really in the long run, they're, they're positives. I mean, if you would ask me in March of 2020, if the pandemic was a negative in my life personally, I would have said, yeah, this is horrible. Well, the, the seven months I spent quarantining, you know, absolutely changed my life. By the end of it, I was, you know, I moved to Lima and um, completely radically did a 180 in my life. And I, that probably just wouldn't have happened. We probably wouldn't be having this conversation if, if the pandemic didn't happen. And so that's not to minimize people who suffered. Um, and, and there was a lot of um, tragic things that happened in that, but, but to be able to, to have that um, circumstance occur and go, okay, what is it that I can find from this? And what, what value can I get out of it? I, that, that to me is the, is the power of, um, you know, kind of turning inward and opening yourself up to what the universe has in store for you. Powerful indeed. I want to backtrack a little bit earlier. You talked about, you know, getting sober, getting off the, the drugs and alcohol in, I believe 2019. What was your process for that? Because I would imagine Chicago, you're with friends. It's a very food and drink and nightlife oriented place. How did you separate yourself from all that and put boundaries between you and the, the network of friends that you had that was probably built around drugs and alcohol? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you use the word process and that's that's a good one for it. You know, I, I would say that I, the thing that is important to note is that I failed when I first started, um, you know, that night, April 13th that I described earlier was actually the night I decided to get sober. And, um, I was a heavy cigarette smoker too. So I was like, I'm quitting smoking, I'm quitting drinking, I'm quitting, um, using drugs. It's all out the door. And I succeeded at that for, for close to four months, I think. And then I thought, well, I just want to be I don't want to go back to where I was, but I just want to feel like a normal person again, kind of to what you're alluding to, where it's like, I just want to be able to go out with friends or, you know, a networking event for work and, and have a couple of glasses of wine and just fit in and be normal and not be um, sticking out like a sore thumb. Because you're right, particularly in Chicago, if you choose not to 
drink alcohol socially, you stick out like a sore thumb. That's just, there's no way around that. And so, um, you know, but that, that ended up being a, um, you know, I, I wasn't able to succeed doing that. So a couple of glasses of wine, you know, would, would turn into, you know, a night of binge drinking and, and extracurricular activities. And, you know, I, I would go out for a cigarette and I think, well, I can just have a, a, a cigarette, you know, it doesn't make me a smoker. I'm just, you know, enjoying a cigarette socially with a friend. And then it's like the next day you're buying a pack of cigarettes. And, and so by December of 2018, I just, my, my health had really sp- gone backwards. I, I'd made a lot of progress in the middle of 2018. I lost a lot of weight and I was feeling better. And, you know, then with these kind of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just lapses in sobriety, you know, maybe two or three times a month. It wasn't an, you know, an everyday occurrence. My body had just been on a roller coaster. And by the middle of December, it, it told me it was done. I was struggling with vertigo. I was, I felt like I had the flu all the time. Um, if I did go out and, and drink, it was it, at least three days, probably closer to a week where I just felt like hell. Um, and then of course I felt really, really, you know, immensely guilty about it. Cause it was like, well, of course you feel bad. You're, you know, doing stuff that you, you, you know, you said you wouldn't do. So, um, I just, I had enough was enough in December. And then in 2019, I just, I committed, I said, I have to get my health right-sided and I have to, I have to fight this battle and I have to win this war because if I, if I don't get this, this fixed, then nothing else that I want to have, um, experience in my life is, is going to happen. And so, um, in terms of the social aspect and and that and to the beginning part of 2019, um, I just didn't go out a lot. I didn't socialize for work. I didn't socialize with with friends a lot. My closest friends, I just told them, you know, some of them I was pretty direct with and just said, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, working on being sober and um, I just I can't go out as much. Um, and, you know, through the first half of that year, it was really more just me kind of putting up a wall. And just saying, I, I have to create this. I think you said this, right? What are the boundaries that you created? And it, for me, it was just, um, you know, that I'm not going to put myself in a situation to fail. And, you know, after after a certain amount of time, when you do that, then, you know, towards the end of that year, I started to go out again socially. And I was I was able to do it without really being, you know, tempted to, to participate. And, and, you know, I, for me specifically, it was the recognition that I had a problem that other people didn't have. Right. So just because I struggle with drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that everybody does. Right. Or, or just because other people don't struggle with drugs and alcohol doesn't mean that I should be able to um, be the same as them. I have a problem with it and I have to, you know, I just, I acknowledge that, that if, if I had a drink or two, then, you know, a landslide was going to happen of, of binge drinking after that. And so you know, Jack Canfield said that 99% is a bitch and 100% is a breeze. And so I just adopted that philosophy that, you know, for me, the the easiest path forward to sobriety was actually just being sober, right? Just not, you know, the decision was already made. There was no choice involved. It didn't matter who um, offered a drink or who um, tried to coax me or whatever it was. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't something I was willing to do. I'd created a standard in my life that I wasn't going to do it. And it wasn't about me thinking I was better than anybody else. And it also wasn't about me thinking about, well, I'm, I'm this, you know, alcoholic loser. Um, it was about me saying, you know what, it's just, it's who I am. And it's, I've, I've, I've had a long life of indulging in this stuff and I just, I'm done with it. It's, it's a chapter of my life that's over. And, um, 
so that that's how I did it. And it's really, I, it's been, it's been remarkably easy once I actually made the decision to, to say, Hey, I'm just not going to do this. And I have to, the boundary is the boundary that I'm not going to do that. And, you know, if you kind of try to dip your foot in the pool, then you're going to end up in, in trouble. Yeah. I like that. 99% is a bitch. A hundred percent is a breeze in it. And it sounds like you went from, you know, feeling guilt and shame about the alcohol and drug use to taking ownership. And that's what really allowed you to move forward there. When you talked about the suicidal thoughts earlier, besides, you know, that burden of like not wanting to let your father down, what else was associated with the thoughts? What else were you thinking? Yeah, I, you know, it was it was everything under the sun, right? It was, I, I felt like, I felt like I had, had completely failed at life. I felt like I was in a tremendous amount of physical pain and a tremendous amount of emotional pain. Um, and I, you know, the, the thing that had driven me in the past, which was, you know, my ego and my, my kind of competitive, I have an athletic background. So I have this competitiveness, right. To, to succeed and to win. And that had been completely broken and shattered. And so I, I, you know, what was driving it was that I, I didn't know who, I didn't know who I had become. I didn't know how I had become that person. I just know it was, I, I knew at the time, and this was for years, I knew I wasn't myself, right? I knew I wasn't living a life that I was proud of. I knew I wasn't, um, you know, doing my family a service. I, w- I wasn't doing the universe a service. I was far more of a burden to people around me than I was uh, a use or or making a positive contribution. And, you know, er- early on in my my career where I, I really grew my career was with Starbucks and we were, you know, very involved in the community and, um, you know, social conscious was super important. And so I'd been a part of doing a lot of great things. And, you know, I, I was left, you know, in, in those, those years where it was like, well, I'm just not, I, I'm not doing anything. And it, it seemed, it seemed like whatever I tried to do just kind of failed. Right. It was like, every time I thought so, that things couldn't get worse, they did. And it just, and I just kept coming back to, well, it's like, well, that's, you're, you're the only person that's responsible for that. I, I never, it's just how, how my, my brain happens to be wired. Um, I've, I had never had a, a depressing moment or a suicidal moment where I was like, man, if only X person would have done something differently, my, you know, my life would be better. It was always how I had screwed up and how I had put myself in that position. And so I, I, I was a, um, you know, I, I was self-defeating in my, in my thought process. And I think, you know, I would ask myself, how did my life get so screwed up? How is it that I've, I failed so badly? Why is it that I'm so miserable? Why is it is, you know, go on down the line? Well, those are all, all negative questions. And when you ask yourself those questions, your subconscious mind will give you answers. So it was like, well, why have you failed it? Like, well, cause you're a failure. Cause you're a loser. Cause you're X, Y, or Z. Right. So um, it just had become a really vicious cycle where it's like, I, the way I just, just, the best metaphor I can give is I was living in a dark cave and there was about a million bats and those bats were my, my thoughts. And they were just constantly flocking and swarming around me and banging into my head at all times. And it was, um, it was really, really dark and difficult, um, place. And so, you know, I know what, and now I know what the root cause was. And the root cause was that I wasn't, I wasn't being true to who I was as a person, that I had chosen some other 
um, path for my life that I thought was safer and that I thought would make um, me happier. I thought it would make other people happier. And, uh, you know, it, it did, it had the opposite effect when I was done um, pursuing everything I could find on the outside world to make me happy. Um, I was left with nothing and I was left, you know, broken and depressed and, um, you know, at rock bottom. And so, and, and thank God that I was right. I, I think one of the things that I was blessed with is, is hitting rock bottom and hitting that wall and everything falling apart. If everything hadn't have fallen apart, I don't know that the, the series of events that ensued that brought me to where I am would have happened. Um, and I think sometimes where people really struggle is that their lives are, they're not what they want them to be. They don't feel great about it, but they're not horrible either, right? If their lives aren't bad enough to actually um, change. And I screwed up so bad that I shouldn't have any choice but to, to you know, turn in 180 degrees and, and start over and try again. So I, I was fortunate in that in that regard. I appreciate you taking the time to share that. And because there's so many people out there who, um, you know, have these similar thoughts where they feel like they failed at life. They're going through physical and emotional pain, their ego broken and shattered. And they're asking themselves, who am I? How did I get here? And not living a life that they're, they're proud of. And it just seems like things just keep getting worse. And, and I love how you describe your thoughts as like, you know, you're, you're in this dark cave and your thoughts are like bats, just like pummeling you from all different sides. And it's just a reminder that, you know, it's part of the, uh, the human experience that we're not alone in thinking and experiencing these things. And, um, and you know, when we get to the root of it, sometimes it's, we chose safety over, would you say authenticity? It was, is that what you would, is that the word you would use or would you yeah. say something else? Yeah. Yeah. I, so the words I typically use are true self, but I think authenticity is a great word. I think that, I think those are just those are saying the same thing. And, um, you know, it, there's so much that goes on in our lives, particularly in the modern world, we're constantly being inundated with information sources and, you know, sorting through which sources are good or bad is a really difficult thing to do. But, you know, even, even our parents, you know, most of us have good loving parents that want the best for our, our lives, but they condition us by trying to keep us away from pain, right? They're, they're, they're trying for us not to have experience, you know, painful or negative experiences that they have. They want us to just kind of sail through life and just experience happiness and bliss. And that that ends up kind of we're conditioned to kind of take that safe choice, right? To, we're conditioned to do things the way that it works for the majority of people. And here's the problem is it does work for the majority of people. But if you fall outside of that funnel and you fall outside of that cone, where you do everything the way you think you're supposed to and you make all those safe choices, but you still feel empty or meaningless inside, well, then it gets really catastrophic like it, it did in my life. And so I, I don't think that there's one, there's not one path or one route for everybody. I think, you know, what works for most people is great. And so I, I don't have any any game plan to tell anybody they should do something a certain way or not do something another way. but. I, I think it's really important to, to to really figure it out who is it that I am and who is it that I want to become and and really have that um, crystallized in our minds about who it is that that we're we're trying to become and what the life we're trying to 
to live is and focus on that as opposed to the external material rewards that are on offer because that's that's the you know the the plight of our modern era is that we can sit on a couch or in our beds and press an icon on our phone and have just about anything in the world brought to us and then also simultaneously feel that we're you know our life completely sucks and it's like what what are you talking about life is ne- life has never been easier to live the actual you know living part we don't have to hike for water we don't have to hunt and gather our food um but you know all those things all those luxuries that we have also they they take they take something away away from us which is that we're designed to um hunt and gather and that we're designed to be busy and we're designed to do things and so um i think finding whatever that thing is that that you enjoy doing and are passionate about um and finding you know sometimes what you're good at and what you're and and your first kind of inclination or intuition about what you're passionate about aren't the same thing but i think you know if you keep trying things you like you'll end up finding out what you're really good at and when you find what you're good at keep doing it and focus on it and don't worry don't worry about what the external rewards are worry about you know who you're becoming in the process of it and you know the best example that i can think of somebody who talked about that was um kobe bryant when his jersey was retired um by the lakers actually two jerseys which is pretty cool he had he had two numbers retired but you know and he gave this great speech and he he turned to his daughters and he said you know um i know you guys know that if you work hard your dreams will come true he's and you know everybody knows that he said but when you wake up at five o'clock in the morning and you do the work that's the dream when you're up late at night doing the work that's the dream and if you if you focus on you know the process who you become is for is becomes you know far greater than what your dream ever was and i i just when i heard him say that and then the last thing he said is like if i can get you to realize that then i'll have been a great father and i thought man this guy's not only a great father he's a great human and it's like you, you look at somebody who um was so great at what they did but what propelled him was the passion for what he was doing not the not the trophies not the money and all that stuff and so then when he stopped playing basketball which is a lot of times athletes really struggle after that he went on and started doing other stuff and was you know continuing to be more and more successful because it was his approach to life like i whatever i do i'm going to do it the best that i can and i'm going to pursue it um you know with with every bit of my um heart because if I've chosen to do something, then then let's go after it. I think that that's that's important in our modern world. It's easy to not choose what to do, um, and kind of just be laissez-faire and let la- life happen around us and kind of just conform to the the mainstream. And again, I don't have any problem with that, but I just think that there's a large percentage of us who aren't going to be happy doing that. We really have to kind of blaze our own trail and find our own path to who we are. And once we do, then really going after it is where you, you know, you, you asked me about, you know, finding peace. I, you know, when I was meditating a lot, I, I, I don't know how much peace I found then. I, I've found far more peace by working hard and not giving up in the, in the subsequent years since. And that when, when I'm faced with an obstacle of something that I'm trying to accomplish, realize that the universe is using whatever this challenge is to make me a better person and to, to craft me into, um, the person that I was always meant to be, that's where I find peace is, is um, that when something bad is happening, that I, I realize that it's a part of the process. It's a part of the universe unfolding. It's, it's a part of a, 
a, you know, I, I don't like to necessarily use the word plan, but it's part of the process that I don't understand while it's happening. And then if, and if I let go of that, and if I just realize that I don't understand it, the outcome of what happens is always far better than what I anticipated myself. And that's, that's what's given me peace. And that's, what's really opened my life um, to experiences I never dreamed of having, because I realized that what I think I want is never, is, is never as good as what I end up getting if I just let go of the process and, and just focus on um, enjoying the work of who I'm becoming. I, I love that. Yeah. Cause I, I know that you're big on quantum energy and, one of the things that I read about is how gratitude is our highest vibrational frequency. We're like, you know, shame and guilt and, um, you know, those different emotions are, you know, our lowest vibrational frequency. And it sounds like you're in a place of extreme gratitude. I want to backtrack a little bit um, again here, Sean, because you talked about divorce. And there's so many people, yeah. I'm in my 40s, and so many people, are you know going through a divorce and you know most i don't even know if most people a majority a, a large number of people who are married will at some point uh, go through a divorce hopefully not but what is it that you wish you had in place or what kind of support do you wish you had in place going through that divorce what would have helped you to navigate that in a in a way that made you feel more supported and um and safe? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I, you know, for me, um, I, so I had, a, I had a, a broken heart. I, I, I had ended the, the relationship and I thought, you know, so I've talked a lot about career and I've talked a lot about, you know, like material possessions and stuff. And that, that, that always, that stuff always ranked high for me, but I will say that the biggest thing in my life as a late teenager and to my, you know, early twenties and through my twenties and early thirties was that the most important, if you ask me what the most important thing to you is, I would say it was a remote romantic relationship, right? Like, so from the time I was young, I felt like if I just had a great romantic relationship, then everything else, however it shook out, everything else would, would be fine. And I, I think that that's, it's, it's like so many things. I think that's almost true. Like, I, I think if we have great family relationships, a great intimate, you know, a great relationship with an intimate partner, great friendships. I, I think that does cure a lot of ills in terms of enjoying life. But the, the, the tricky part of it is that it's, it's so close to being right, but it's, it's also the farthest thing away because anytime that our happiness is dependent on something outside of ourselves and anytime we feel like something lasting, whether it's a, a romantic relationship or, um, the lifespan of, of loved ones, um, or, or whatever it is, any, anything that we, we are dependent upon for, you know, our, our happiness and enjoyment of life that's, that comes from outside of us, it will always end, you know, and, and life is in, impermanent, right? There's nothing that doesn't change. Everything always changes. Nothing lasts forever. And, I, you know, so I think the, 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 the question you asked is what support that I wish I had at the time. I, I think that I wish I knew that it was okay to say that I screwed up and that I had made a mistake and it was okay to ask for forgiveness of um, the person I was in the relationship with. And it was most importantly, it was okay to forgive myself that 
I had done, I had done everything the best I, I could, or at least that I thought I could, you know, retrospectively always look back and you're like, well, if I had done this, if I'd done that and all the second guessing. And I think, you know, to that end, the support of saying, you know, the, the time for second guessing is over. It, it's time to realize that what's happened has happened and that, you know, realize that you have to move forward from here and that there's, there's something out there waiting for you. It's hard to know why this happened, but it did for a reason. And there's something out there that's, that's waiting for you. Um, and, you know, if you're constantly trying to kind of cling to the past and you're trying to cling to relationships and you're trying to cling to, um, careers or anything like that, you know, your, your grip is closed and you're not open to receiving what's, what's available in the future. And so I, I think if I had understood that trying to hang on, um, was, was not the right answer and that to just let go of the past and let go of the mistakes, um, and allow myself to heal. And, and I think, you know, that's the other part of it is to understand that you are hurting, right? And you have been wounded, whether it's self-inflicted or by somebody else. And and usually when a, a marriage fails, usually it's both both parties have have something close to equal weight and in, in the outcome of that. And I, I think in, in my relationship, I look back, I, I certainly had a majority of it, but, you know, it wasn't just me, you know, it was, there was two of us involved in it. And, you know, realizing that um, there was something to kind of learn from the situation and and to move forward with but also that that it was okay to hurt and it was okay to kind of let your guard down and i you know that was probably a big part of the escalation of drugs and alcohol for me because i i i had to put on this brave face and that, that everything was good and it was like yeah i'm divorced and like yeah i'm glad i'm moving on and so it was like this you know very hypocritical stance of like, I wasn't moving on. I wasn't okay. I wasn't feeling good, but I wanted, I wanted everybody else to feel that way as opposed to just saying, all right, this hurts. I have an open wound. It needs to heal. When the wound is done healing, there will be a scar. And you know what? That's okay. Scars are cool. Scars, scars build character. And, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with making mistakes in the past. It's, it's what we do moving forward that will really define who we are. I love that. When the wound heals, there will be a scar. Sean, is there anything from the book, from your story that we haven't talked about that you think is important for people to um, let go, find gratitude, find peace, um, you know, self-actualize, self-actual, actual, actual, how, how do you say that word? Self-actualization. I know what you're trying to say. Actualization. That's <laughs> such a I didn't even realize I had a problem with that word till just now. So actualize. Oh, there it is. Um, is there anything that you, you feel like uh the listeners need to know? Um, well, you've done a great job guiding us through this conversation. I I, I think um, you know, I, I would just reinforce something that you brought up um a moment ago and then just retouched on, and that is is gratitude. You know. Whatever we're experiencing, I almost, it's like, I almost feel guilty when I use it now. It's like, as soon as I've worried about how something happening to me, if I can shift my mind to just finding something that I'm grateful for, it, it's incredible how quickly um, the, the, just your internal feelings, your emotions change. Gratitude is the most powerful conductor of quantum energy in the world. And we, and we don't have time now and we haven't really gotten into um what quantum energy really is, but quantum energy is everything, right? It's, it's what 
material is made out of. It's what our feelings are made out of and our emotions and everything else with it. And gratitude is the fastest way to, to kind of tapping into the source of that. And, you know, that's whatever that is, we could get into a three hour philosophical discussion on whatever that is. But I, here's what I know is that is the creative consciousness of the world, the existence, the universe. We all have it. We're all surrounded by it at all times. And, and gratitude is, is the fastest way to kind of tap into that and really start to feel like your life is flowing. And that takes work. It's difficult. It's difficult. You know, my father recently passed and, and as I was spending time with him in the hospital in his last few days, you know, I, I, if I said I was grateful the whole time, that would be, you know, that wouldn't be authentic, but I was grateful for a lot through a lot of it. And that, that really got me, got me through um, the situation. And, and, and even, you know, when I would need, you know, sorrow would come afterwards that, you know, I would just realize, well, man, I was so, so lucky to be able to spend, you know, those last few days with him when he was there. And, you know, death is a really hard, un, it's a mysterious thing. That's it's, it's the, it's a guarantee in life, right? It's the only one. And yet it's so painful and it's so hard to let go of those we love. And so I, you know, I, I know gratitude got me through that. And so I think, I think, that gratitude will really get us through anything that we're, we're faced with in life. And I, you know, the other thing that I know really works that, that we haven't talked a lot about is, you know, I believe strongly that we should focus inward and focus on ourselves as to who we're becoming and, and really work on ourselves. That's where everything starts first and foremost. But the very next thing is to go, okay, now who can I benefit? Who's, whose life can I add value to? When you start to do things for other people, whether it's e even just smiling at strangers as you're walking down the street. When you do that, the way you feel inside and and the way that your life starts to flow for you is is night and day different if if you've been struggling. And so that's that's the two things I think that we can all do to empower ourselves is be grateful and then you know look for you know big things are great, but look for small opportunities. Um, the the there, there's a need of quiet desperation that's that's surrounding us at all times if we just look for it. And I, I think e even that might not be the right way to say it, not look for it, just know that it's there. And so when you see that person, you know, at, at the store or whatever, that's that's having a bad day and they're, they're you know, maybe uh, short with you or whatever it is, smile, tell them thank you. And and mean it, you know. Not it's not just an act. Just say, you know what? I I know that this person's going through something, and I've gone through things in my life. I know how that feels, and so I'm going to give them a soft place to land. And when you start to live that way, all of a sudden you start to just feel better about the stuff that goes on in your life, and you realize that whatever you're dealing with is something that, um, you know, you can you can get through. And that I, you know, I think the thing that popped in my head that I definitely want to share with people is is I, no matter where your life is at how how bad you think it is and how much you're suffering it will always get better the future is always better and if it's not better then you'd better really enjoy the present moment because it's it's the best you got but i i truly believe that um the best is yet to come for all of us and whatever we're going through is uh is temporary and it's it's part of what the universe is using to um refine us and to um shape us into the person that we were always meant to be and and when we let the universe do that work, then um, the feelings of joy and fulfillment and abundance and all those things that we we all desire um, will become a reality in our lives. Yeah, and that definitely would segue into my last question 
of because I always imagine there's one person listening in who may be on the precipice of wanting to end their life before you kill yourself. What would you say to them, Sean Randall? I would say that even though I don't know them, um, that I would miss them, that the universe would miss them, that they they have been created for a reason and that they 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 haven't found it yet. Um, but we need them. Um, and that whatever they're experiencing, whatever um, pain and suffering they're going through, there is a solution for it. There is a way out of it. And they were not they were not made to suffer, um, that the world around them has led them down a path um that is has created these feelings it's not who they are not broken there's nothing wrong with them it's a it's unfortunately it's a very common experience that all humans go through to some varying degree and so those of us who struggle with it to really severe degrees um there's nothing wrong with us we're not broken it's just it's our it's our body and our mind and our spirits way of telling us that something's off and so we know that we know that something's off and we just have to find it and and you know ask for help i i i wish i had i had known to ask for help sooner i wish i knew that other people were struggling with with this stuff the way that i was um and and really we've made a lot of progress we're just at the the tip of the iceberg with it but we're really starting to open up as a society and you know i i don't think many people would be as comfortable as i am um, sharing my story about overcoming depression and overcoming suicidal thoughts five years ago, even um, as I am now, I, I just, I don't, there's no consequence for it, right? People, if anybody, if anybody judges me or, or wants me to feel bad for that, then I, I feel sorry for them. And I think that's where most people live. And I can, you know, I can tell you that I have not run into one single person after being very publicly open about it that said, Oh, wow. I, that's, you know, that's, that's, terrible i can't believe you're you know saying this stuff it's the opposite people are like man your story inspires me and so i think if somebody's struggling be open about it ask for help realize that you're not you're not alone um and that you have a reason for being here and we just have to work on finding it and you know there are people who are are going to help you do that so keep keep uh keep fighting the fight john randall thank you so much for tuning in Please make sure you go pick up his book, Letters from Lima, which can be found anywhere books are sold. Uh, I see you got like over 150 reviews over there on Amazon. So people are really loving that book. Uh, thank you for tuning in to another podcast episode. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help, for you calling the 988 or any of the international phone numbers that are listed in all the show notes. If you're in Lima or Lima, Peru, uh, I should not have pronounced it by now. It's been said a thousand times. Uh, or you're in South Africa or Bulgaria, wherever you are in the world, there are international f- helplines where you can talk, chat, text. You can go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you, Leo.
So you are very special the way you are. No matter what's um, whatever is happening in your life, we understand, I understand that there are parts of life that are not easy and that there are parts of our lives that uh, need attention. And, uh, and for that, we could look for help. But there's so many parts of you that are amazing. They are perfect. And it's not fair to just let go of everything because of these parts that are not going well. And um, a question that I ask is, what if you're not trying or if you don't want to end your life? What if you don't want to kill yourself? And what, what if you just want to kill a part of yourself that is no longer serving your purpose? What if you want to kill that part that it's actually no longer in service. It's no longer taking you where you want to be. And for that, we could always find ways to, to help you with, you know, and, and move forward and, um, and be, I guess, just to give more attention to all of that, the good that you have, understand, remember, because sometimes I'm also a matter of remembering, you know, of all the good that you have tracing back in your life and all the good that you did, you know, and all the good moments you experienced, you know, and start creating more of that and killing that other part that is no longer for you. And it's okay. It's okay for us to rebirth. It's okay for us to, you know, like bear part of us that is no longer in our favor, you know, and, and I feel that it's actually something that um, people could understand, could, could, Take to their advantage, you know, that it's okay that we want to bury a part of us, that it's okay that we want to kill a part of us that is no longer working. It's part of growth, you know, so why not to do with the help of the loved ones, people that are there for you, people that could help you with um, resources that will help you get out of that situation, see the beauty and, and build what you want, more of what you want and less of what you don't want. I love that, Paula. Thank you for sharing. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in. Remember, this podcast is not a substitute for you going to get help calling the 988 or any of the international phone numbers that are listed. If you're in Brazil, if you're in Israel, wherever you are in the world, there are phone numbers for you to call, chat, text. You can always go to thrivewithleo.com for one-on-one coaching with yours truly. Let's get to tomorrow together. Thank you so much, Paula. Thank you, Leo.